1: Ryan said, "Do you think Cole Mullins would have risen up the rankings a lot that he played this season? And does him missing a year of development concern you at all?"
2: i mean, always concerned when a kid loses a year of development. Always concerned yeah. about that. Would he have risen up the rankings? Probably not. I don't know that he would have been given the opportunity to to, to rise up the way that like a Bryce Young has. And honestly, kind kind of glad he didn't because my concern is if he did. You'd have LSU, Georgia, Bama, teams like that. You know who maybe they miss on some of the guys they wanted. They come calling for him. So, um, right. do I think he would have risen up the rankings? No, I, I don't. I don't think he would. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy like like Bryce Young's risen up the rankings, right? Keedron Young has, but there's other guys having really good senior years, Ryan, and it hasn't impacted people's opinions of them at all nationally because they're just not paying attention. Yeah, right. Part of the reason with Bryce Young is you can't ignore him.
1: Right. Cause like he's
2: got a teammate that's having a way better year than he had last year. And he's going down in the rankings. Micah Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't you make know, any sense. But, right. But because the rankings, they're not, but. you know, it, it's just, there's no focus on it, but um, I don't, I don't know that he would have gone up in the rankings and he yeah. just, it would have I mean, been hard for him to move up in my ranking. Cause he was already a borderline top 100 player. I don't, you know, I, I don't know.
1: He probably would have moved up slightly just because the I think Caleb Downs being gone from Mill Creek would have had a little bit more shine on him potentially than what it was. I think he was just a little bit underrated. But, so he probably would have went up a little bit. I mean, but year of development, I mean, he's, he's still in the room taking mental reps off, obviously, but I would have liked him to work on an everyday basis physically in a, what is a good coaching staff at Mill Creek. So yeah. hopefully it's not a big deterrence, but we shall see.
2: One the nice thing is he's not a guy that they were necessarily bringing in to play as a rookie. So he'll have that time to kind of develop right. and learn and and grow and get healthy and all that kind of stuff.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data
1: Yeah, and he'll be back soon anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, John A one, the offensive line run scheme requires the guards to pull much more this year. Did that sap the aggressiveness, physical drive, blocking we saw the line do last year? Oh, well, look, that
2: can lead to that if not if not implemented properly. There, there, that is an inherent risk that I've seen when you do pin and pull is if you don't coach it properly and you don't coach certain things on a daily basis, you can lose some of that. Um, But there's still physical blocks happening on that. Like our focus is on the pull, but the pin has got to be an aggressive physical stone, a guy in place type of block in, in the way that Notre Dame runs it. I don't think that's my biggest issue with the pin and pull stuff, Ryan. My biggest issue with the pin and pull stuff is why are you running that much stuff that requires your guards to move that much when your guards can't move? Right, that like it's about playing. Right, exactly. If you'd have done this more with Jarrett Patterson last year, okay, I understand. I mean, he moves well enough. Where you could have done some of that stuff, but I don't see how having Pat Coogan and Rocco Spindler is playing to their strengths when you're pulling this much. Now, is it? Am I like early in the year? I thought they had a nice blend. Right, inside zone was their bread and butter, and then they would balance counter and power with it. But now they've just gotten so happy with it. It's just like this is all they do. And it's like inside zone, just a compliment to it. And that's okay. In certain offenses, this isn't the offense for that to be okay. And I think right. part of it is because they don't have a lot of faith in their guards to be able to go bully, bully people. I think that's part of it too. But the problem is, is if you feel that way, then you need to get different guards. You need to, right. if, if you think your guards are going to get their butts kicked then you need to get more athletic guards in there and then let them do the pinning and pulling and then deal with it that way. But, uh, It just doesn't make any sense. That's my bigger issue than the lack of physicality. I think the lack of physicality, I don't, I like, I was, I was thinking this, Ryan, and I said this to Sean Davis, and I'm curious your opinion. I'm watching, like, I'm watching even the Utah Washington game. Watching these guys come off and just fight and battle and just, and it's not that the Notre Dame kids don't try hard. I've never felt they're not trying, but they're just not a real physical group. And I kept waiting on them to take that step and they just haven't where they just, they just don't push people around the way you expect the Notre Dame offensive line to push people around, especially when you've got three of the five starters from last year's line that was able to push people around. Like yeah. is, is, is not having Josh Lug and Quentin and, and uh, Quentin Nelson, Josh Lug and Jarrett Patterson. The reason you went from what we saw against Clemson last year to what we saw against Clemson this year, you know, like, Oh, the, well they still ran for 180 yards guys over 60 of those yards were quarterback scrambles right they didn't run the ball like that last this year and and some of the runs they had were audric estimate making great runs more so than great blocking in my opinion that came so it just it doesn't make any sense to do to do that when you've got the guards you have and just an overall sense of this team just doesn't they're just not as physical as they were last year. I'm trying hard, having a hard time put my hand on it because it's not that they're not trying. It's not that they're like soft. I'm not saying that. It's not like the Jeff Quinn era. They just don't play with like the same level of "I want to beat your face in" mentality that I see from other top teams, and and that that concerns me a little bit. I don't, I don't know if I'm putting my my finger on it the right way, but that's kind of my best way I can explain it.
1: I think there's two me john i think one it's misuse i don't think you're playing into guys strengths well enough and also i this is going to sound kind of mean i guess i don't know i I think that there's far too many offensive linemen starting right now that aren't incredibly talented to be honest with you i think there's i think that a couple of the offensive linemen that start right now lack explosiveness and lack just incredible talents i just i i think the interior needs a major overhaul this offseason or at least more competition to that room I think Blake Fisher needs to get his head out of his you-know-what and start playing up mm-hmm. to his talent level. I think that needs to happen. I do think Joe jo Walt has taken a step forward as far as a better run blocker than what he was last year. But, again, he's he's one player, right? Like You can't be a succinct and competitive and consistent offensive line with one football player. So Blake needs to have some soul searching this off season, in my opinion, and there needs to be a re- legit competition on the interior and, a, and a fair one too, not just a competition at face value, right? Like you need to let guys compete. Cause I just think there's a lack of talent inside right now, which is concerning. Very concerning. She so had a place like Notre Dame that recruits offensive line so well, right? I shouldn't be watching. A three-man interior where i'm just like man they're just like not incredibly talented man like it's just not great talent well, which is just frustrating
2: and 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 the talent they do have right because everybody has like what you're saying is they're not the high level talents we we agree Expansive. but every player has some level of talent like and so i'm using the word talent differently than you just did the talent the, the strengths that they do have i guess is a better way of saying it you're not then playing to those right so if you're going to start pat coogan and rocco spindler And let's just say, Ryan, those are the two guys you're talking about. I know one of them certainly is. I think both to a degree are who you're talking about. If you're going to start them, then you need to make sure that what you're doing fits who they are. Rocco Spindler, when he has his good reps, he's doing what? He's drive blocking vertically, right? When Pat Coogan has had good moments, they've been what? Drive blocking vertically, right? And you're not. You're not doing that now. You could say, well, the concern is, is they're not very athletic, and so people beat them up the field. Okay, then figure out something with your zones to make sure you're able to handle those things. Don't go all pin and pull, like that's not the answer. And so it's like there were plays last week, right? They had three freaking guys pulling. Did you see that stuff? And it's like, what the heck are we doing? You know, and it worked a couple times early, and then. Clemson figured it out and blew it up and Notre Dame made no adjustments. So yeah. I just feel like they're running. This just goes back to the whole issue I have offensively. They're just running stuff to run stuff. It's not necessarily stuff that's geared towards. This is what the strengths of your football team are. And that's a, that's a concern that I have. That's a yeah. very big concern that I have. Here's a question along those lines, Ryan, similar, similar topic.
1: 99 problems with BK1. Since the guard position has struggled, would you move Blake Fisher to guard in 2024, put Charles Jagasaw at right tackle, and then and then figure out the replacement for Joe Alts.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm open to that idea. I, I still think Blake is a guard in the NFL. Yeah. I do. Agreed. Um, Agreed. You, do you say you agree with that, Ryan? I, I 100% agree
1: okay. with that, yes. Yep. Um,
2: I don't know how bought-in Blake would be to that, but I'm at the point now where Blake hasn't played well enough to be able to, like, you know. To say? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah yeah Yeah. you know oh he'll leave okay like all right i would hope he wouldn't be that way but it's like dude this is what's best for your future as well this is what's best for us now and best for your future but here's the question though right who starts a guard if blake fisher moves to who starts a tackle if blake fisher moves to guard You've got, well, you and have you have Tosh I mean, I Baker, Emil Wagner.
1: I guess, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's I mean hypothetical, they're saying Charles Jagasaw and I guess maybe Emil Wagner, I guess, or Tosh. But are and, they uh,
2: ready? Yeah. You know, like to me, the only way you you can really justify moving Blake is if there's a clear person ready to take over those spots. You know what I mean? Now, maybe Tosh has a maybe Tosh has done some things in practice. And they're like he's ready to be one of those guys. Maybe Jagasaw or Emil showing that. I, but you've got to have more than two two tackles. Um, so yeah. would I be open to that? Sure, I just think it's more likely they move Jagasaw to guard and leave Blake where he is than move him inside, even though Ryan, you and I have been talking about moving Blake inside for how long? I mean, it, yeah. I'm, I'm always open to that idea. I just, I really, as well, a football coach, you just got to have somebody ready to step in before you start moving guys, especially right. a tackle,
1: whether it's a tackle or guard. I really hope that Charles Jagasaw takes a big jump this offseason, yeah. man, because he. He could be an answer to multiple spots on the Notre Dame offensive line if he's ready, right? Yeah. If he's ready. So I, I hope he is, man. I pray that he is because he could he could change the four I think, pretty quick of what – because you're in a little bit of a really weird situation with the offensive line this offseason where you're just kind of like, man, there's a lot of questions right here, man. <laughs> like There's a whole lot. I mean, if you ask me today what the offensive line is going to look like starting in 2024, I have no clear answer for you. Like, hmm. I mean, one – does Blake even come back? He should, but is he going to? I don't know. Zeke yeah. he Is he, he going to come back for a fifth year? I mean, six years, yeah. six year. Excuse me. Like it, it, my, a lot of questions as far as who's even going to be in the room. And then after that, it's like Tosh, Emil, Charles, the guards, Billy. Yeah. I mean, so like, there's a abstract. lot of guys and not a lot of actors. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Is uh, I don't think that uh Kirby's going to be an early enrollee. So I think that'd be tough. Yeah. To, to, I mean, it's tough he's, enough for a freshman not, to start anyway. Man. But you know, yeah. and that's a school thing, correct? Isn't that a yeah, Catholic Memorial yeah. thing? Right. Yes,
1: Catholic Memorial. And then there's a lot of schools in Ohio that have like a similar rule. Yeah. Is similar. I remember that's
2: Josh Lug and uh, his high school wouldn't let him, and he's in Pittsburgh. They wouldn't yeah. let him Kirk, do that. Carson either.
1: Hobbs' school won't let him either. So yeah.
2: Yeah, it's going to be. An, I mean, there's a lot of talent, but you you just again, it's going to be one of those things where you know, do you go to the portal for a veteran tackle or, or do you just say, Hey, let's, let's get these kids ready to play. Let's put our kids out there and, and try and figure it out. It's right. uh, it's a, it's not an easy answer, man. It's not, it just, my big concern at the whole thing, Ryan, is I feel like very quickly we've lost the, like you, you, you you're you not early in the season. You saw the Harry, he stand still there and it's gone away the further away we've gotten. That's a big concern for me. Very big concern. Here's an interesting
1: one. We had a question from Coach Kotz. What's up, Coach? Last one. How do you feel about the service academies? Some would say they should focus on the service and not football. Also, how do you feel about waiving service obligations to play in the NFL?
2: I have a prediction that you and I are going to disagree on the last one, but I'm going to say on the first one. No, absolutely, they should not focus on service and not football. I think there's this notion that you can't do two things at once. You can do two things at once, number one, number two. I think that playing sports is something that absolutely fits into the, the um, mission of what we're doing here, the importance of teamwork it's incredible mean, why do we always use military examples when talking about sports? because there's so many things that carry over from playing athletics to to fighting a battle. It's about the man next to you, right It's about you're not just working for you, you're working for a team and if you don't do your job then that hurts everybody. I mean there's so many different things you're learning discipline, you're learning mental toughness, uh you're learning all types of things, being part of a team, accountability, all things to me that only enhance the other amazing things you're getting while being at one of the service academies, right? And so to me I I absolutely am about them being able to to play sports, right? I mean they're still stud- they're still student athletes. I mean they're still students, they're still in college. They're not like you know, just normal service members, right? They're still in an and they're in a learning environment. And I, I think there's absolutely lessons that can be learned from being an athlete. I, I think it'd be silly for us to say, yeah, all these m- war metaphors make sense when we talk about sports, but the people that are eventually going to have to go fight those wars can't play sports for whatever reason, you know? So uh, that's my answer to the first one, Ryan. I'm curious what your answer is on that one as well.
1: i've never had any issue i've I've never had any issue with it i mean again as long as you are doing your duties and the things that are the obligations that you have hand and you are also fitting in football i mean those kids are those kids are monsters by the way man like they manage time as well as anyone any people that i've ever seen i've literally gotten to know some kids from army navy and like the nfl draft space and like those kids like grinders man so yeah i mean they they earned the rights to do that right with the, with the hard work that they put in. So I have no issue with it at all.
2: Second part, how do I feel yep. about waiving service obligations to play in the NFL? Personally, uh, I don't support that. You are Even signing up.
1: to it afterwards? I mean, yes, as long as like, I
2: don't, I, I, I don't. I mean, and, and you look at the examples that we've seen in the past. I mean, we've Roger Stahlbach served. And with all due respect, there aren't kids coming out of Army, Navy, and Air Force that are the pro- NFL prospects that Roger Staubach was. You know, like to me, this is a little different than a normal college situation. You're choosing to serve and you've made a commitment to that that goes above and beyond sports. I'm not someone who's going to be pissed if a kid asks out of it. I'm not going to fault him uh, if he wants to pursue that opportunity, but I'm also someone who believes that you, you made a, you made a commitment, you signed up to serve and you honor that commitment. And we've seen it happen. I mean, it's, we've seen guys play in the NFL after serving their commitment. Roger Stahlbach went on to have a hall of fame career. He served four years in the Navy after he got done playing at the Naval Academy. So, um, yeah, that's just my personal opinion. I don't think that people that advocate for the other are, are necessarily wrong. I understand it. I'm sympathetic to it. But for me, when you, when you make a decision to, to, to go that route, you you've honored that commitment. They've invested their time into developing you to be an officer. And then now I've got to, you've got to be out of that for however many years you play in the NFL. And then I don't get your best years. Um, I just, I, I don't, I don't necessarily support that, but I'm not so staunch on it that I think that like, I wouldn't say that there's character flaws for people who, who, who do want to go play in the next level. I, I understand that too. But my thing is, it's mm-hmm. just a little bit of a different animal for me. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, mean, I, I, I personally I'm, wouldn't.
1: Okay. I'm not, I'm not against it. I mean, cause I, I, the way I think of it is I agree that you have an obligation and it's something you signed up for, but as long as you do do that time, right. That's you know, as, as far, as long as you do get that obligation done, I'm not against that, whether that's directly after school, whether that's around an NFL career. I'm okay with it regardless. Yeah. So.
2: yeah. Let's see. Let's go to the next one here, Ryan. We still have a ton of questions here. Um, it's an
1: interesting one. All right. It's not popping up for me. Oh, there it is. John A1 with the question. Which issue is more central for the Notre Dame offense to fix, the short yardage run game efficiency or the pass game outside the numbers? Pass game outside the numbers for me, John, I think that it could go either way. Like you could say that either one could fix the other to a degree, but if you're able to open up the field and I mean, what does coach Freeman always say? One wants to work the whole 53, 53 and a third or whatever it is, right. That if you're able to affect the game full field, then that's going to make the short yardage run game better because now a team is going to have to honor the ability for you to get outside the numbers to get out off tackle, to do a Types of things, so I would say the ability to win outside the numbers would help with the run game a ton.
2: So you're saying is both help each other, but being able to to, to improving outside the numbers will have a greater impact on this one than this one than that would have on throwing outside the numbers. I agree wholeheartedly. I do. Yep. We're on the same page.
1: Cool. Irish blooded. What national championship game matchup this year excites you the most? As a great game to see. Ohio State, Georgia, for me Ohio State, yeah. Georgia is a game that I'm very interested in seeing.
2: in my opinion, those are the two best teams in college football right now that's that's where I'm at. We had another question down here, Ryan, that's kind of similar to this one uh Shatisha Reese asks what four teams make the college football playoff, and who do you think wins the championship uh to me right now, if I had to get if I had to predict i I just think ohio state and 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 Georgia are the two best teams I've seen in my opinion. And that would be the best championship game. Who wins? I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a, that'd be a heck of a game to me, but, um, I think those are the two best teams that I've seen so far. And I think Florida state's the one team from the outside that I could see if they play their game, they can beat anybody, but I have less confidence. They're going to play their game because they have the dynamic playmakers, you know, but, um, And they have a D line that at times when it's on can take a, you know, can take over some, some key moments, but that's, that's kind of who I would, who I would go at. But yeah, that, that would be my, that would be my, um, but my four, as of right now, uh, three of the four teams I predicted to be in the playoff are still undefeated Georgia, Ohio state, Washington. I'm going to ride with them until we see them get beat fourth team right now. I, I have a hard time seeing Florida state losing. Uh, I mean, they, look, they, they've they got – they've had some ugly wins, Ryan, in the ACC play, and but they win. They found ways to win. I actually – I mean, to me, that that that's going to serve them better than what happened in 2014 where the 2014 team just blew everybody out, never got challenged, and then they finally get punched in the face by Oregon and they just fold, right? I mean, they only got punched in the face once all year, and that was by Notre Dame that year in my view. So this team finds ways to win, and I just don't know if there's anyone on their schedule that is – good enough to beat them you know so they they would probably be my fourth right now that would be my four so uh i would assume that that um you're gonna take oregon to basically re- win the rematch against washington would they be your four
1: yeah they're probably be my four and so I, I think go, that the you... champ- yeah go ahead. Well, i was just gonna say i think the championship game is gonna end up being georgia versus a big 10 team uh, whatever big 10 team gets in there i actually think it's gonna be michigan i hate to say that but I just think the well-roundedness is going to win out, but we shall see in a few weeks. Obviously, so, but I, I think it's—I think it's going to be Georgia. I know it's really boring, Shatisha, but I—they're
2: they're doing just, what they need to do.
1: Just really good, man. Like, what yeah. do we say about it? Like, they just don't have many holes in it. I mean, Uh-oh. it's just—just just a completely good football. really good football team. Boring, but it is what it is.
2: Notre Dame has just two games left in the regular season, and this weekend is the home finale against Wake Forest. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to either game or to your favorite concert or comedy club, Game Time is the place for you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or in, and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed, that's gametime.co.
1: T guns of the four big coaches at Notre Dame Marcus Freeman, Coach Ivy, Coach Shrewsbury, and Stiffmeister. Who will have the most success at Notre Dame once the time here comes to an end?
2: You know, if I had to guess, I'd say Niall Ivy, just because there's a much better path for the women's basketball team to be in the final four every year and win championships than football. And that's always, that's kind of always true. I mean, I think. Yep. A, a women's basketball team can always have that kind of success at schools at, at a place like notre dame so i would I, 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 in order i'd go coach ivy coach freeman uh coach shrewsbury i mean um um coach um, it's Silver. not no it it's Stifler? the baby he's asking the baseball coach and it's sean see now he's got me one to say Stiffmeister, It's Stiffler. I think it's Stiff Stiffler. Uh,
1: yes, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's Sean Stiffler. Freaking yeah. Tommy Guns. Um, I'd say him third and Micah Shrewsbury fourth. And the reason I put Shrewsbury fourth is because men's basketball is just such a different animal than those other sports to me. Right. And it's the hardest to recruit to, in my opinion, at Notre Dame. Like women's basketball team can get elite players. They just got a commitment from a top 10 big next year you know that's about to sign that's just signed they've Hannah Hidalgo is a number five player in the country Olivia Miles is a top 10 player Sonia Cintron was a top 20 player men's basketball team will never recruit with any kind of consistency top 10 basketball players never going to happen well why because if you're a women's basketball player you're most likely going to spend at least three years in college so that degree still matters you know, where in men's basketball, if you're a top 25 player, you're not envisioning yourself spending more than a year in college, right? right. So it's just a much – baseball is the same way, right? If you're an elite baseball player and you chose not choose not to go to the draft, Notre Dame brings a great value to you if you can afford it because you – you know, depending on how much of the scholarship they can give because you're going to have to be there for three years. You can get a degree in three years. So you get a great degree play in a a, a – one of the better conferences, baseball conferences in in college baseball, a team that's proven it can go to the College World Series. They've done it before, you know, and so whereas men's basketball, it's just the odds of, of them getting that kind of player is just harder. The recruiting dynamics are so much different for basketball yeah. than they are the others. That's really what it pulls down to, you know, and Notre Dame's never going to buy players the way that Duke does and Kansas does and stuff like that. Just not going to happen. So if we're just going to compare resumes, now that doesn't mean that Shrewsbury's success can't be on be beyond. Like even if he doesn't achieve the same, just just looking at the raw numbers, conference championships, national titles, final fours, and all that, he could still be relative to context the best of the four, and he still won't have the actual championships to back it up the way that the others can. That's kind of where does that make sense, Ryan? Like, the, like I just men's basketball is just so much harder to to win at a place like Notre Dame in my opinion.
1: Sure, sure. Uh yeah, I mean, I think we're de- like we're the same pretty much. I mean, coach Ivy for the proven commodity that she already is and the proven program that Notre Dame's women's basketball already is. Coach Freeman, I'm hopeful is number 2 on that list. I defer to answer this question later, Tommy, cuz I have I need to seek more from coach Shrewsbury and I don't know much about coach Stifler either. So, I would like to s- sit on those two for a little bit here. Yeah. Like to say.
2: Yeah, because I, I know Stifler's been a coach for much longer than Coach Shrewsbury had, and he did very well at Penn State, but he was only there, what, two years?
1: Two years think, or something, right? yeah. 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 So, I know people speak very highly of him, though, so we'll see. Yeah,
2: yeah. I loved his post-game press conference after the loss. Did you hear what he said? He goes, I sucked. Yeah. Like, I didn't give these guys yeah. a chance to – you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, I like this guy.
1: I like this guy. Next question we have is – here the kinger 321 thank you for the question going to my first game on saturday what time is the player walk into the stadium you can look it up the, the itinerary I think it's about games. like i
2: think it's like two hours before i believe so, so what time is the game this weekend 330 so i think it's 1 30 okay i believe i believe you
1: just you can just you can just google notre dame game day versus whatever team you're looking for obviously yeah. in this situation so yeah
2: I'm going to ask Angela because she always knows when it is because she likes to go take pictures of when they're coming in and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, here we go. Let's get to let's get going. I'll I'll I'll, A1, I'll go. I'll let you know when I get that answer.
1: What she says. Okay. John A. One. When Bubakar Traore was a recruit, he was projected as a big end and initially interior defensive line. Not that he is a viper has his ceiling changed. Now that he's a viper has his ceiling changed. Who would you comp him with? now as a viper
2: i still don't think he stays at viper long term i still think he's gonna outgrow the position uh now what he has however is he's got a level of twitch off the edge that could maybe allow him to be an isaiah foskey type 270 pound viper uh i just i I think part of it's going to depend on ryan i still don't know how they want to use that position ultimately you know like is it I, i still have questions about that but um I still think he eventually grows into a big end because I think what they want that position to be, I think we saw with Javante Jean-Baptiste, they want to have a productive playmaking presence at that field end position. And I think he could be that guy. And I think right now you have fewer potential big ends than you do Vipers. But uh, does his ceiling change? I mean, we've just seen so little of him, But Ryan... I mean, whether it was what you saw against USC, or what I saw in the one open practice we went to, that guy just has a knack for winning on the edge, and he's just got that burst, and he's got ability to bend and get around that edge in a way you're just like, yeah, that's not that's not like that's not great coaching. That's just like I'm not. That's not a, to take away from what he did at Catholic Memorial or or uh, Washington. It's just like that guy just kind of has. A body and an athleticism and ability to do things that you just are kind of not taught. Now you enhance the technique and those type of things and he can be an elite player, right? Sure. Um, so there's some of that to him. I just think if he ends up being two seventy, 270, two seventy-five, you can also be that guy on the other side. Uh, so it just depends on on his body growth and kind of how they're gonna use those two positions.
1: But I, whatever John, you're gonna I, do,
2: you after the quarterback.
1: I, I actually like that he lost some weight this off season. to be down to like 237 or whatever the heck he was listed at cuz he I expected him to be powerful and explosive, but I did not expect that looseness as a pass rusher that you saw in that rep against USC. I it's different, right? So I actually would be for him keeping his weight down a little bit, you know, maybe stay at the 255-ish mark or less and staying at Viper cuz that I want him to play outside track as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't I want him dealing with tight ends and working, you know, double teams and doing all that type of stuff consistently. That's a little bit of a different band and Twitch than what you have on the roster. So I actually would probably be for him staying at Viper, but that's just me off of one great rep. So, yeah. Yeah, John Leahy, thought on if Elko would go to Texas A&M, how um, would he be a good fit as a head coach? Yeah, we talked about this already. I mean, he is familiar with the program. He was there for a couple of years, obviously, as a defensive coordinator, did a really good job there. Familiarity, I think, is a big thing. He's an up-and-coming, very good young head coach as far as experience in that role. And I think that he would be a very a good beacon for a, a program that needs good people there in some capacity. Yeah. So I, a I think culture that culture change,
2: really Ryan, it. they need a culture change at Texas A&M big time. And, and hiring a guy that knows why the culture's broken is a great way of fixing it. Assuming you believe he's capable of fixing it, which I think Mike Elko is.
3: All right.
1: Another question from John a one schematically, what would you change to aid this year's boundary and field wide receivers to get open?
2: Well, uh, I mean, number one, I think some of the issues they have are are technical, not schematic. But things that I would do schematically, number one, is I think they're, they are they need to adjust the splits a little bit more. They do a lot adjusting the splits of the field guys. They'll do bunches and stuff like that. Uh, I would like to see them do more things where they maybe have reduced splits, which can kind of open up some things. Usually when you get a little tighter to the, to the tackle, the corners will kind of back off. So there's some things you can do with that. I, I think there's things they could have done. With some uh, invert alignments when they're in a two by two, with the tight end of the boundaries, have the tight end on the line and have the rest- that the boundary guy off. Uh, you can do some stack type stuff out of that with motions and, and whatever. There's things they can do lining up three by one with the boundary guy to the field and then motion him off again. Just finding ways to get them off of the press releases. I think those are really the big things. Um, but at the end of the day, you're no matter how you. How, whatever you do schematically, if these kids don't know how to win, a, win off the line and don't know how to properly attack leverage, which they've shown that they do not, uh, which is why they constantly get ridden out of bounds constantly into the boundary, uh, then it doesn't matter. Uh, schematically, some other things they could do, Ryan, some more, some more overtype concepts where you know they do so much short mesh, they don't do a whole lot of deep mesh. You know where you're running those guys a little bit more vertically over the top. I've seen it a couple times, but not enough of it to where you're you're really. It's either like vertical or cross, and that's kind of kind of it. Uh, doing some more things that allow them for in breaking routes as well, because again, vertical posts, they're all getting outside releases a, a lot with a lot of that stuff. And then there's not a lot of like inside release post in post dig post, you know, overs and and in breaking routes, clear routes, where, you know, run the tight end vertical, bring that guy on an in cut with a cross underneath it. There's just a lot of things that we've talked about before that they just really don't do. And. I mean, it's not rocket science it's really not and anything that i just said is pretty basic stuff that just about every team seems to have in their playbook right. but at the end of the day you got to know how to win on the line and you got to know how to attack leverage if you don't do those things and you're gonna have a hard time in a pro style offense i mean air raid you can get away with it ryan because it's just the way it's designed you're working in space more often and stuff like that but in a pro style offense if you don't know how to win off the ball it, it doesn't matter what you call you're still going to get beat right
1: Well, I I think a couple other things that I would say, and I think you mentioned at least one of them, but I think short motions are a big thing that I would look at, right, to a two-wide receiver side to just kind of maximize the release points. I would maybe invert a little bit at times to get a wide receiver off the line of scrimmage so he kind of has a little bit more space to work against the press. And honestly, like, I just think it's super – I think there's I, there's a lack of creativity in the passing game right now. I feel like everything on the outside is working off a vertical plane where I'm just like, you lack speed right now at some at the outside receiver spots because Deion Colsey's hurt and Tobias Merriweather's kind of playing a little bit of everywhere and he's not playing a ton otherwise in general. So your just lack of speed, I think, is really hurting you. And if you lack speed, I don't understand the – the insistence on running vertically oriented routes. No one's scared of your speed right now outside for the most part. So I think just an adjustment to your philosophy a little bit, as far as what you're trying to get out of those positions as well, but short motions, staggering routes, inverting routes, you know, cutting down splits in certain situations. I think all those things have validity to try to help. We had John A1 with another one. Bo Nix went from a bad offensive program to a good one, and he's a Heisman candidate. What does Sam, Hartman perform th- what does Sam Hartman's performance this year tell you about the Notre Dame offensive program? It's that not it's a good not offensive good system right now. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it's just yeah. not as – it's not a – like uh, whatever you want to call it, mesh, a sp- which is what it is. It's a spread offense that executes a mesh technique in its exchange with the running back. Uh, whatever you want to call it, Wake Force absolutely knows who they are offensively. It was Sam Hartman, was Jamie Newman, John Wolford. They know who they are. Yeah, Notre Dame doesn't know who they are right now. They're still trying to figure out who they are. And until that happens, then it, they're going to not be as good as they should be. But again, for all the issues, they have shown the flashes that this offense has a chance to be really good if they can figure some stuff out because there is talent, and when it's on, it can move the ball and create big plays. This is one of the most explosive offensive Notre Dame's had in a while. Probably have to go back to 2015. You know, their 6.8 yards per carry is going to be one of the five. If they stay on that in the next three games, they're going to be top five all time in Notre Dame history in that. You don't do that by accident over the course of a 13-game season. They got some stuff they got to figure out, but there's a decent foundation to build around there if they can find. So, like, Ryan, we just talked about those things with receiver. You know, we've talked about all that stuff before. That's not new. Are you willing to make those changes or not? That's the question. And if they are, and they coach it better, and 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 be willing to have some some things like, hey, we can't be this team because we don't have the players to be this team. And even if even if you do, I still don't want everything to be built that vertically oriented. And if you are going to be that ver- vertically oriented, you just gotta have stuff off of it, you know. And they don't have stuff off of it. And so it's just again, it's just it's dialing offense really is what it comes down to, right? And 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 you've got to. You got to you got to have a philosophy. Oregon knows who they want to be, right? And and mm-hmm. like it or not, that's who they that's who they are. Like Penn State, yeah. who are they? Like I don't know that they like know who they want to be this year, and it doesn't work. Michigan knows who they are. Michigan knows exactly who they are, so it doesn't matter who's calling play. They know who they are, and you may not like that offense. It may not be what I would install if I was hiring a new. You know what I mean? But it, they know who they are. They recruit to it. And they coach to it, and uh, that's where Notre Dame's got to be. So, and and I think what happened this year, Sam Hartman, is going to hurt Notre Dame's ability to go out and get one of the top transfer quarterbacks. Because if if you're that guy, why did you look at Notre Dame and say, "Well, hold on a second, that was one of the mo- most prolific guys to ever play football, and you turned him into that"? Uh, no, thank you.
1: Turn him into Drew Brees, so. man. Coach Koch with the question. Thank you, sir. What does this team need to do to address the quarterback issue? Seems to me that going back for the last few cycles, they have had trouble developing quarterbacks with the most success coming from transfers. Even then they seem to be regressing as the season goes. Ian book showed a lot of good stuff initially and then seemed to regress and got worse as a quarterback. Am I alone in thinking? No, you're not alone. alone No. Uh, The
2: only one that I would disagree on is he said that, um, that uh, I would not say that Jack Co- Jack Cohen regressed at Notre Dame.
1: No, he in got. In fact, I think
2: yeah, as was going to say, like he had that dip in the middle where he you know got benched against Virginia Tech and uh, you know didn't play well against Cincinnati. That was early in the season. But if you look at Jack down the stretch, I mean, his last his last five games, or actually, really six games at Notre Dame. You look at North Carolina, Navy, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Stanford, and Oklahoma State. He was really flipping good. I mean, post Virginia Tech, really, he was really flipping good. And in those, actually, in his last seven games, he threw, let's see here, seven, nine, 11, 16 touchdowns and four picks. And I think f- uh, f- regular season wise, five of his last six games, he completed over 70%, and his lowest was 66.7 his yards per attempt in you know eight nine nine three fourteen three nine nine you know he had some on his best moments outside of the Florida State game his best moments as far as entire games were all late in the year you know he had the the great fourth quarter comeback against Toledo but prior to that he really didn't do a whole lot against Toledo and so, um, but other than that, yes, regression has seemed to happen, not just in, you know, in season, but throughout careers, that's been something that's been a problem in Notre Dame for a while. And I think a lot of it comes back to a similar philosophy between Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman in this regard, the ab- absolute terror of turning the football over has created a, a paralysis in the minds of their quarterbacks, in my opinion, that they become so afraid to make mistakes that they would, they would rather just check it down or scramble or do something like that than to take a risk. And there needs to be a happy medium. I also don't want to be somebody that goes out and throws 17. Like Notre Dame can never win a championship with their starting quarterback throwing 17 picks like Clemson did in 2016. Not going to happen, right? But if you have Deshaun Watson, you got to say, hey, you live with it. You live with the mistakes because you know the the rewards, the plays he's going to make because of that are so great, but that's an anomaly season. That's an anomaly quarterback that you just can't bank on having. So there needs to be a happy medium between what they've been and what they are. I mean, and Sam Hartman went from being a gunslinger to afraid to throw the football down the field unless the guy's just wide open and you can't, you're not going, no, you're not going to, I don't care who you have a receiver. You can't win championships that way. I don't care how good your receivers yep. are. You've got to be willing to take, I mean, you think of some of the throws we've seen, you know, quarterbacks make where they just say, man, I'm putting it up. Let my guy go make a play. And yeah. they do. And yeah. that's the difference.
1: John A1, what are the differences in what the 2021 wide receivers showed versus the 2023 wide receivers? Has the room developed a- – had development been upgraded at all? So that's the Kevin Austin S- –
2: Yeah, certainly yeah. the development is better. Because if Kevin Austin, as a, as a senior and who he was in 2021 – without any ounce of improvement at all was on this football team, this receiving core looks a lot different because yep. you'd have a veteran burner that can beat people down the field. And it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like you can just do things with him that you can't do with Jaden Thomas, you can't do with Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores and and those type of guys. So, yeah, you'd certainly look a lot better uh, at that yep. particular position. I, but here's the thing, Jack was willing to throw the football down the field. He was willing to give Kevin Austin chances to win one-on-ones. I mean, that was the biggest difference. Sam has not been willing to do that. Well, they dropped a couple balls. Yeah, they dropped a couple of balls. Guys dropped balls when Jack Kaiser was here too. Jack Cole was here too, excuse me. But he didn't shy, shy away from it. You keep going back to it. And give those guys chances. I mean, you know, against Wisconsin earlier, Kevin Austin was getting his buck kicked off the line early against Wisconsin, but Jack never gave up on him. And still the one time he wins down the field, Jack hits him on a go route, boom, touchdown, right? You've got to be willing to take those chances and, and, and go back to those guys. And this team has just not had that same dynamic. Now this group is younger than that group was. So that factors into it as well. And, um, but no, I mean, the development has been better. It's just not, as good as it needed needs to be, that's that's my problem. There's some right. basic stuff, Ryan, that that guy shouldn't be doing. And and when you watch Jaden Greathouse, and you're like, this guy used more advanced technique to win at the line of scrimmage at Westlake than he does at Notre Dame. That's a problem. Right. That's a problem.
1: Wide receiver position is a problem, folks. I don't think anybody that's like breaking news, right? I think that it's a combination of a lot of different things. I think that the offense is very stagnant from a passing game perspective. I think you're playing with a quarterback that's gun shy right now. And I think the wide receivers need to be developed and I felt developed better. And they've been injured a lot throughout the season as well. So there's a lot of factors, but regardless of all those factors together, wide receivers need to play better next season. There's no doubt about that.
2: It can be worse and it would have been worse. If you had the same receivers coach out in 2021, that's a fact.
1: Sure. Domer Grizz. What's up, Domer? Happy Monday. You too, sir. Which two 2024 commits exceeded your expectations for the senior season and which two underperformed this year? I know CJ Carr, Cam Williams and Kedra Young were dudes, but who else?
2: Well, Bryce, Bryce Young. And I wonder if he's talking about Kedra or, but Bryce Young has, started to get closer to his ceiling a lot faster than I thought he would. Ryan, Uh, I thought he'd still be flashy this year, take a step, but still be flashy. But his best days are going to be ahead of him. His best days are still ahead of him, but he took a much bigger jump than I anticipated. Um, uh, I'll be, I'll 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 tell you another guy, Mikey Gilbert has, has looked a lot like more fluid, a lot more Explosive. explosive. Like you, he's definitely healthier this year. He's been even better than I thought he was going to be this season. Uh, yeah. Def- defensively, I'll tell you a guy that, that to me has, his film has been a lot better than I thought it was going to be is Sean Sevillano. Like he has gotten a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Now he's still, he is what he is in my opinion, but I like to senior film and he brings you something that you need. You need that big body. They want that big body and he brings them that. So uh yep. he's certainly been been that guy as far as who is underperformed i i don't i don't know hmm. i don't know that there's anybody that i would say is underperformed and that happens there's that that happens but i don't i couldn't point i haven't seen now here's the thing i haven't seen ever i haven't seen peter jones's senior film um, I haven't seen Logan Thomas, a senior film yet. I haven't seen anything from him as a senior. I saw him play that one game on national TV, but other than that, I haven't seen him. And I haven't seen Teddy Rizak's senior film at all. um And I haven't seen Leonard Moore's senior film at all. So I can't say those guys one way or the other, right? And you, you can comment on one of those yeah. guys. But uh, so I haven't seen their film. But as far as like guys that I've seen, I mean, Anthony Knapp's been better, yep. Styles Prescott has gotten better gearby lambert's become a dude kingston is a lot better uh and i haven't seen any of bodie cahoon's film although his numbers are nuts like his yeah. production is at is absolutely nuts but i've seen his i haven't seen any film i keep looking every week and i and i still haven't seen it yet There's so I, I got on it. yeah i haven't seen everyone but of everyone that i've seen i honestly can't tell you who i can't say that anyone to me is underperformed from what the expectations were i i, I don't i have have that
1: I have one guy that I'll throw in at the end, but I, so I have had some clips sent to me of Bodie Cahoon. I mean, guys, he's, he's looking very good and I know they're putting together a senior highlight tape. So that'll be out at some point, I'm sure over the next week or two, because they're playoff, they just lost the playoffs. Unfortunately this past weekend, but or past week, I should say 203 tackles. 27 tackles for loss, nine sacks, four forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries in an 11 game season. Bodie Cahoon averaged over against a
2: good a level of competition in the state of Virginia. He does not play it in one of those little small rural, you know, 25 man leagues. He doesn't play that. He plays against good competition yeah. in high school.
1: Right? Same, same league as Chris Cole and the yeah. Salem kids, right? The Peyton yeah. Lewises of the world. So yes, they play against good competition, and he has put I. Talked to the defensive coordinator last night because he sent me the final stats and he said he's been coaching for 30 years on that level in around the same area and he said he's never seen anything like he had this year with Bodie Cahoon so it's going to be interesting apparently there's going to be a little bit of a jockeying between who is the defensive player of the year in that conference because it's going to be Chris Cole versus Bodie Cahoon it's going to kind of be a little bit of politics apparently so we'll see if he wins out but he's up for the He's up for the Buckus Award, and Notre Dame's obviously had a lot of those guys in their career. I mean, and and Kingston Villiamuasa is also up for the Linebacker of the Year Award in the in the high school on the high school level. So he's had a big year. You know, who has been a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Was Tabron Benny Powell? I, okay. I think Tabron's actually had a really nice senior year. Um, looks a lot more fluid and comfortable in space than I thought he was going to be personally. You mentioned has Bryce he been Young. playing on
2: the back end this year, Ryan, or is he still playing <laughs> in that rover?
1: Okay. No, no, he's Good. playing on the back. He's playing a lot of two high stuff and rotating down and doing all this things. So, so they put
2: him where Menick played
1: last year. Is that where they moved him to? No, he's more like he. They they rotate him down a little bit more, so he's more like Malik Hartford than he was like okay. Menick. Menick played a little bit more okay. from depth, so he's definitely still an alley safety, like a strong safety type, but like looks a lot more comfortable navigating short zones and playing a little man to man coverage at times. It's. It's been really nice to see Tabron taking that step. You said Anthony Knapp, I think, has taking a real nice step forward. Michael Gilbert's been better. The only guy that I've been like a little bit underwhelmed, and hopefully there's a little bit more senior film that comes out, but Kennedy Erlacher hasn't been blowing me away hmm. this year so far. I'm I'm hoping that it's a little better, but like he just kind of looks the same to me. You know, I, I was hoping uh-huh. a little bit more of a explosiveness and a little bit more upside kind of comes to the table, but We'll see, as because he's only had a couple game tapes out so far, so hopefully yeah. the full season's a little better. Yeah. we'll see.
2: I liked what I saw from him so far. I mean, he, he's the same player, but he looked to me—I thought it looked a little bit more explosive, a little thicker, but not not huge. I, mean, I haven't seen much of Bronte this year either. I know he's been banged up a lot. Bronte's been missed. banged
1: up. Leonard yeah. Moore's only been—Leonard Moore, I think, only yeah. played four or five games this yeah. year. Bronte's been banged up in and out of the lineup, so yeah.
2: And I haven't <laughs> seen anything from Teddy. I mean, it's like I haven't seen any. Like they put clips out every week and and and. Teddy hasn't been a guy. It's like Teddy, all the uncommitted guys, you know,
1: most, most of Teddy's games, he's not even in on the second half. So there's probably not a yeah. ton of, uh, like yeah. dude, if you want a crazy, I'm actually going to pull that up real quick because he, their team is incredibly dominant o- Omaha West side. They have won their 12 and 0, going for a state championship again for the back-to-back years. They have won and their games this year, 57 to 7, 45, nothing 45, 12, 49 to 7, 41 to 0, 63 to 0, 56 to 0. Their closest game of the year 31-14, 56 nothing, 54 to 6, 49 to 0, and then they just won this last playoff game 41 to nothing.
2: So what you're saying is they're not battle tested at all.
1: <laughs> I, I'm I'm saying that they are the, they are the test in their in yes. their state. They are That's the
2: nuts. test. That is nuts. How many games left until the title game?
1: I believe that this is the title game coming up. The it coming up game. I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So man, they literally the most points they've given up this year is 14. It's the most points they've given up all year, which is wild.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Let's get to some um, more questions here, Ryan. Here's, here's a very interesting one here from John. A. One.
1: John says, who do you encourage to stay or go for fifth years? Maris Loifal, JD Bertrand, just... Jordan Patello. Sorry.
2: Let's, no, no. I was going to say, just um, let's just go one one by one. Just so, just you read the question. Just go one by one. I want to yeah. get your opinion. So the yep. question was, who do you encourage to stay or go for fifth years? Some of these are actually sixth. Just so we're clear. So Marish, JD, Kristofik uh, are all and, and Nana are all sixths. The rest are fifth. Yep. But come back next year. Number one, yep. who would you encourage? Who who if you were advising Notre Dame, who would you encourage them? So let's go one by one. Number one, Marish yep. Leaphow.
1: I'd be open to Marist. Yeah, I'd be open.
2: Okay. J.D. Bertrand.
1: I would be okay with J.D. leaving. be like, good job, J.D. See you, buddy.
2: Jordan (sighs) Matteo.
1: Such a tough one. Um, If the buy-in's there, then I would say yes. But if not, then I'll let him go.
2: Very disappointing season from him. Uh, Chris Tyree.
1: Yes, I'd be open to it.
2: Andrew Kristoffek.
1: I'm good. I'm okay.
2: Yeah. Love the kid but it's kind of time to let the younger kids take those reps unless you're just going to, he's, he's our starter. He's going to be our starting center next year, starting guard next year. Um, but I don't see that being the case. Uh, Clarence Lewis.
1: Clarence Lewis. Yes. With if, if, but I would hope that there would be an understanding of like, Hey, safety transition might happen here and some depth like yeah. to that spot potentially. So yeah, I'd be open to it.
2: And then Nana.
1: I would say yes to Nana just because he's a great leader, right? Like I don't think that he. Gets I don't you know a ton who you have at that position, time, but like, yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: You know, it can bring you great leadership, and you're going to at least bring you some toughness to the point of attack against certain sure. opponents, right? With it, with a cool that, guy, with a lot of right? we don't know who you have at that position. That's the bigger like at Viper. I'd be more willing to t- to tell Jordan thanks thanks best of luck to you because you kind of know who that next group is going to be. You got Burnham, you got Tui Alamaka, you got for now Bubakar. I mean, there's there's some guys there. Who's the next in line at big end? Right. Maybe it would have been can Go by, but he's been hurt all year. So you don't know what he, what he is going to be. So I, I don't know about that one. So I think you almost kind of have to hope that Nana comes back because at least you have that foundation of what to build upon with other guys. And like you said, if if you're going to have this, whoever's going to be there with him is going to be young. It's a great, like, Nana, here's your offseason goal. You see this Tyson Ford kid? He is your pet project. He's the guy you're going to help build up to be that next guy with you, and and he, if he, get him to understand working like you work,
1: that would be Brennan, yeah, that would Brennan, be great. Brennan, Brennan Vernon and some of the young guys. Yeah, Brendan Vernon's
2: another him. one, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. If Bubakar moves over there, what like that's your goal, right? That's your that's yeah. your objective. Um, Marist, I mean, I'm I'm good there. I'm just kind of ready for a transition to the next group of linebackers. As much as I yeah. love Maris, love J.D., you've got Nolan Ziegler, you've got Jalen Sneed, you've got Drake Bowen, you've got Jaden Osbury. You're going to be bringing in Kingston and Bodie and Teddy Rezac. I'm just kind of ready for that let's move on type of moment. But I was, I've i said all along, I, I would be okay if they brought one of those two back. That's how I yeah. am. Jordan Patelho. I don't think he's done anything wrong this year. Like I haven't heard anything about his attitude or he hasn't done like a lot of anything bad. He just hasn't played very well. And, you know, maybe he might be a guy that you could play at the big end position next year. I mean, that's what he's played more like this year than he has there. You know what I mean? You know, maybe there, but, viper's another one where I'm, I'm just kind of ready to move on to the younger more explosive guys if, at this
1: point if if jordan does come back man i hope he takes a little bit of that weight off because yeah. there was an explosiveness there man that is just lost right now i don't yeah. know what happened there yeah. so
2: uh tyree agree with you on that one clarence lewis it's yes only if he's moving to safety like that would be my answer I want what I want Notre Dame to do next year is I want Notre Dame to 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 move Jaden Mickey into this slot. That's what I want to see them do. How is he any different yeah. than Thomas Harper as an athlete? I don't think there's a huge difference there. Body type is similar. I understand why they didn't do it this year because you were bringing him along and and I understand Jaden might have a shot to to start next year at corner, but even if he does start next year at corner, you're going to rotate him with Christian Gray at the very least. I would much yeah. rather be in a situation where you look at the schedule they play next year even Purdue, Purdue hired Grant, uh, uh, Graham Harrell as their offensive coordinator. Like they're spreading the field, they're running an air raid. You're going to be in a nickel the entire game. You're going to be in a nickel yeah. against Florida State. You're going to be a nickel against USC. You're going to, so you're going to be a nickel against Louisville next year when you play them. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I want those all three to be starting. Oh, Jaden in the slot because he's the most natural slot. You keep Benjamin Morrison where he is and then have Christian Gray step in where Cam Hart is. Like to me, that makes the yeah. most sense to have that there as opposed to having Jaden and and, and, uh, Christian rotating next season. Now there's merit to that Ryan too, where you have a three man rotation at the three. eh, That's fine. But to me, there's other guys can do that. You've got chance Tucker. You've got, uh, you've got um, uh, Micah Bell. You've got, you've, you know, you're going to have some options there. Ryan Barnes, maybe. I mean, I I don't think those guys are, I mean, Ryan's probably not going to be a guy that fits into that mix. You got Leonard Moore coming in. So, i you know yeah. and again you don't have to rotate a ton of corner and there's certain things you can still do with Jaden in certain games or if you're playing like navy or you're playing a more power oriented team that you're not going to use your nickel as much Jaden can easily go p- rotate outside if you needed him to but oh, that's sure. what i would do i'd love to see those three kids be on the same field at the same time next year and sounds like you uh, are on the same
1: page with that ryan i I wanted Jade Mickey to play some nickel this year. So, yes, yeah. I am on full page with that one. Yes. The
2: reason they didn't is they still felt like he had a lot to learn as an outside guy. And they and, sure. and, and we hadn't seen Christian Gray yet emerge right. as that guy. And you couldn't necessarily sure. take a chance, especially with Cam's injury history. The, if Cam gets hurt, you miss all that development time outside. But he has that now. To, to your point, right. he has that development time now. He, you are comfortable with who Jade Mickey is as an outside corner. And so that, to me, would would mean why I would make that transition this offseason, absolutely. All right, let's go down to – got to get close to wrapping up here. I'm about to lose my voice. Here's uh, – get to some of these questions from people we haven't seen yet.
1: Nicholas Grosch says, in the portal, what is the hardest position to project as to how they will fit in the current roster? I would think Lyman would be the toughest to choose. I would say quarterback, man. I would say quarterback. I mean, it's – it's Nicholas, especially like if we're talking about grad transfers because, I mean, it's an game channel, so mostly we're talking about grad transfers, right? I mean, we've seen a little bit with like Hartman to a degree, but it's like you have one shot at it, man, and a quarterback isn't just a quarterback. They are the face of your football team. They are the organizer of your offense on the field. They are a de facto coach on the field. That is what a quarterback is, and I think that transition – It's tough, man. It's really, really difficult for the most part because linemen, like if we're talking about grad transfer linemen, it's like, yeah, you have to get succinct and in, you know, in unison with offense linemen, but a down block is still a down block, right? A drive block is still a drive block. A pool is still a pool. Like those things are all still equal. You could talk about a quarterback going to a completely different system, a completely different situation, completely different football players, and try to buy, get them to buy in in a year at Notre Dame. That's not easy, man. No. It's not easy, no. and it hasn't been easy.
2: Because to your point about offensive line, Ryan, what you're talking about is yeah, it's going to take you some time to, to 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 get on the same page with guys yeah. as far as like the timing and stuff. But like you said, this guy runs a pro style offense. Is you know an offensive lineman, like you said. Zone is still zone. Drive block is still drive block. A pin is still, you know, pin and pull is still, it's not like there's a much more variation for what a quarterback is going to be asked to do than an offensive lineman is going to be asked to do. Right. 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 And, and, and the issue that teams have with offensive linemen, it's not getting a transfer offensive lineman is fine. What the issue like USC that I've had an issue with is that they are trying to rebuild with nothing, but basically portal guys. And that just makes it harder to kind of become a one cohesive unit it's different than saying hey notre dame's got four guys they go out and get a grad transfer or a tackle right to come in and kind of replace joe Walt." But he sh- as long as everybody else is kind of the same he'll be able to fit in well because you can watch the film and see does this guy do the things we ask him to do it's a little harder yeah. to, i think i think quarterback is is and also you never know how a quarterback is gonna a quarterback has to win over the locker room and left tackle doesn't he's just as block his guy every time that's that's Right. You know, Javante Jean-Baptiste didn't have to win over the locker room. Thomas Harper didn't have to win over the locker room. He's going to go do his job. Do your job. Sam Hartman doesn't have to just not do his job. He has to win over the locker room. It's a whole different animal for a quarterback yeah. than it is for anybody else. So uh, that is, to me, the hardest position to project. There's no question about it. And guys just get comfortable. Get real comfortable in offense, man. We're like, dude, I don't even have to think about this anymore. I've been doing it for five years. It's just like second right. second nature to me. And every team's going to have different ways of doing things. The only way that it's not is is it, when a transfer happens because he's following someone somewhere. So, like mm-hmm. if if Notre Dame would have hired Warren Ruggiero to be the offensive coordinator, hypothetically, he probably would have done a lot better this year at Notre Dame. Now, sure. it wouldn't have been worth it to me long term to to do what they do, but for Sam sure. Hartman, statistically, it would have been better. But sure. um, but that's that's a that's the anomaly situation. More often than not, when those type of things happen.